Thank you very much, Anita. Let's pray together. Father, you're worthy of glory. You're great. You're beyond us. But yet you sent Christ. He came and he lived so that we can call you Father. We can have a relationship with you. Your spirit being at work in us. As we interact with your word this morning, we want to be hearers and doers of your word. So that we can reflect your glory in our lives. In Christ's name, amen. I have three candy bars here. They're Hershey's. They're milk chocolate. Is anyone interested in having them? Colin, I think your hand was up first. Just stay where you are for a second. I give you a choice. You're going to have one candy bar now. Or if you're willing to wait to the end of the sermon... You can have three candy bars. Which will it be? Pardon? The end of the sermon. In my pocket, I have four $1 bills. Is anyone interested in these? Liran, just stay where you are. I'm sorry. Yeah, there's four here. I'll give you a choice. Do you want $1 now, or do you want to wait till the end of the sermon and you can get all four? (laughs) Three and a half hours. Pardon? You'll wait. Now keep those two items in mind as we interact with God's Word this morning. Coming from 1 Peter chapter 1. Reading together from First Peter, First Peter, chapter one. Peter is writing to people who are going through some difficulties, some trials in life, because of their faith in Christ. And the trials and difficulties are not coming because of the government, just from neighbors, coworkers, and so on that are giving them somewhat of a difficult time because they've come to faith in Christ. They're living in obedience to Christ. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy... So be holy in all you do, for it is written, Be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead 
and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass, and their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of God stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourself of all malice and all deceit hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Keep in mind, Peter, in verses 1 through 12, has basically laid the foundation for who they were the nature of the new life that they had in Christ. He talks about their being. And then in verses 13 through chapter 2 and verse 3, he talks about their doing, comparing it to the building, act accordingly. Who they are and their being is vital. But their living accordingly, their responding is also very, very important and critical. In verses 1 through 12, he talked about the fact that they were God's elect. They were chosen by God. They were sanctified by the Holy Spirit. They were sprinkled, the idea of cleansing by Christ's blood. They were receiving grace and peace. In light of that, he says, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully in the grace to be given to you when Christ is revealed and be holy. He also said in those verses, you've experienced the new birth. That's into living hope. You have an inheritance that won't perish, spoil, or fade away. You're shielded by God's power. You're receiving the goal of your faith. You're experiencing salvation predicted by the prophets. In light of that, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully in the grace to be given you and to be holy. Peter calls his hearers to action in verse 13. And last week we discussed preparing your minds for action. I want to look at self-controlled and then go from there as time permits. The idea of self-controlled is to be sober not intoxicated, to be vigilant, not controlled by desires. The idea is the ability to say no. In a sense, Colin exercised some self-control. He said, I'll wait. Liron exercised some self-control. I'll wait. And he is saying to his hearers, self-control. Tied in with self-control is restraint and moderation which avoids excesses in passion or rashness or confusion. Not going to 
excess, able to exercise restraint. It's restraint even in good things. I was talking to a bodybuilder one time years ago, and uh, we got talking about eating. It was very obvious he exercised on a regular, consistent basis. And I asked him about his diet. I said, what do you eat? We said, I eat most anything I want. I said, you don't avoid certain foods? He said, no, I usually eat what I want. But I eat it all in moderation. And since I like chips, I said to him, what about potato chips? He said, I'd eat potato chips, but I'd eat in moderation. What was he saying? He exercised his self-control. Restraint, even in good things. Peter wishes his hearer, or readers, hearers to avoid any form of mental or spiritual intoxication that would confuse the reality that Christ has revealed and defect them from a life steadfastly fixed on the grace of Christ. He wants them to exercise self-control in anything that will move them away from Christ and responding to him. If you look at chapter 4 and verse 7, Peter says, The end of all things is near, therefore be clear minded and self control, controlled so that you can pray. <coughs> self control tied in with prayer. In chapter 5 and verse 8, be self controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Self-control is tied in with recognizing the enemy Satan and resisting him, which he says in verse 9, resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. Self-control of the mind, of the desires, facilitates prayer and an awareness of the devil and how he works. Now, Peter is writing to people who are going through difficulty, and he says, exercise self-control, restraint. Don't give in to desires. What are some of the areas that they would have had to exercise self-control? As you read the book of 1 Peter, you will find that persecution is taking place. How many times would have they been tempted to say, this is not fair. We're being criticized. We're going through difficulty because of our love for God. And there would have been a temptation, as you read the balance of the book, to lash out at people verbally. Peter says, Be self-controlled. In chapter 3, he talks about the husband and wife relationship. He tells wives, you know, to have a gentle and a quiet spirit, to submit to their husbands because some of them apparently had a non-believing husband. And by their restraint, 
They can win their husbands without a word. How many times would have a wife been tempted to respond with a harsh, quick word and to tell him how he should respond or how to get in line? Self-control, Peter says. Self-control. How about a husband who's a believing husband who has a wife that may not always respond? And Peter had told him, he said to believing husbands, you're to be considerate of them. And he's at work one day talking to some guys in the job and they say, you're considerate of your wife as a weaker vessel? Don't you put her in her place? Don't you tell her how to get in line? He says, no, I treat her with respect. It's a weaker vessel. I exercise restraint. I display self-control. As you read through 1 Peter, there was a temptation, apparently on the part of his hearers, to revert back to their former life. Peter talks about that. He says about the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. He talks about the empty way of life handed down to your fathers, and both of them in chapter 1. Self-control. You don't go back to where you were. You resist. Peter's hearers being tempted to think, when does this end? When does this persecution end? Three of us in the last year had our property confiscated. By the bank. Because of our faith in Christ. And we could do nothing about it. Doesn't this ever end? The temptation to become impatient. And to lash out. Peter says. Self-control. Self-control. They could be self-controlled because they had experienced the new birth. They received an inheritance that wasn't going to perish, spoil, or fade away. They've been sprinkled by the blood of Christ. They experienced the sanctifying work of the Spirit. And he says self-control. Now think about life today. Living in 21st century America. Some areas where we might have to exercise self-control. Do you ever think about the issue of always having to have Noise. Always having to have noise. How many of us live in that way? We get in the car, what do we do? Turn on the radio. We're in the car, we have the phone available. We're at home, we've got to have the TV on. We've got to have noise. We don't like silence. Is there a degree of self-control that comes in there where we say, I need to be silent sometimes. I need some silence. I need time to think and meditate, have a mind that is prepared. How about just the issue of control? Sometimes we like to have control. 
We want things to go a certain way. We want people to respond a certain way. We want to control what's going to happen in the future. Paul says, self-control. You need to step back mentally, self-control. You don't yield to the desire to grab a hold of a circumstance and make something happen your way. Self-control. How about games? Probably referring to what you might do with your phone, you might do in the computer or internet. Self-control and say, I played for half an hour, that's enough. I'll turn it off. I won't play anymore. Just self-control. There may be nothing wrong with a game, but self-control. About our big or little toys depends on the age we're at. When is enough enough? Thinking about that this week, I ordered some books. And I thought, I'll stop with those I ordered. I have a big, long list. Self-control. I'll call my books my toys for sake of illustration. But kids, I want another toy. I want another toy. Walking down the toy aisle and saying, be nice to have this, be nice to have this, be nice to have that, be nice to have that. But I'll exercise self-control. I won't ask mom and dad for any of them. When you get older and you are looking at your wish list in the computer or whatever and displaying self-control, it'd be nice to have this, it'd be nice to have that, but I don't need it. Self-control. How about the phone? Sometimes we're just afraid to be without a phone. Got to always be connected. Self-control. I'm not going to have access to my phone. I'm not saying a phone is wrong. These may be good things. How about foods? <clears throat> Food, you know, just self-control over it. You say, I can't. We can in and of ourselves, but in verses 1 through 12, he's given the resources for us to be responsive. So can you sit down to your favorite food and stop when you've had enough displaying self-control? So when Colin gets these three pieces of candy, he will say, Hayden, here's one. Kelsey, here's one. And Jacob, here's one. (laughs) I'm not suggesting you have to do that, Colin. But the idea of self-control, or can he say, I'll only eat one, I'll save the other two. So can I walk by the can of peanuts and say, I don't have to have any? How about pornography? A great temptation in our world today. Self-control, there may be a temptation and say, I will not go to that website. I will not turn on the computer. I will not use my phone in this way, displaying self-control. Or how about worth and children? 
or grandchildren. And talking to people in my years of being a pastor, parents are tempted to find their worth in their children and how their children behave and how they play and how they do in school or their grandchildren. Self-control is able to step back and say, I don't need to be harping on my kids all the time to perform for myself. Whether my kids respond or don't respond, I am who I am in Christ. How many times has a parent attempted to control their children to, and urge them to perform in a certain way for themselves? Self-control. Stepping back. How about the TV and movies? Just self-control. I don't have to have it on. I don't have to watch it. It's my favorite program, but I'm going to exercise self-control and I'm not going to watch it. Maybe nothing wrong with the program. Oh, the latest movie came out. I don't have to see it. I'll wait a month or two months or three months before I go to see it. Self-control. Having answers. When we're young, we come up with the question, why? And that's good for children and teenagers to ask mom and dad, why? But sometimes we move on in life, we move into adulthood, and we become demanding of God. God, why is this happening? Job went through some of that. There was a temptation for him to ask, God, what's going on here? I want an audience with you. I would like an explanation. And that's repeatedly brought out in the book of Job. God, I want an audience with you. And finally, we get to chapter 38. And God says to Job, here's your chance. I'm going to respond to you. And in chapters 38 and 39, he gives Job a series of questions. He asks one question after another, and Job can't answer. Chapter 40 and 41, God again says, Job, I got some more questions for you. And Job comes to the end of his questioning by God and basically says, or God, I surrender. I don't have to know anything. I don't have to have any control. You're sovereign. You're majestic. You're great. I don't need any answers. How often in life did Peter's hearers demand, God, why? God, I want some answers. Self-control, where we get back to God and say, God, I'll trust you if I have no answers. Self-control. How about our dreams? How many dreams have we had? And we work to the nth degree to make a dream reality and get off track as it relates to life overall rather than exercising Self-control. Talking to a young man, and I won't give any particulars, no one in our church, and he was sharing some of his dreams. 
And as he was sharing a dream, I thought to myself, I had the same dream. He was sharing that he wanted to get some further education and so on. And I had a dream of getting my doctorate of ministry. Never happened. Will not happen. But I had to exercise self-control. You say, okay, God, if my, that dream never becomes a reality, that's okay. I'll lay it aside. We may have a dream concerning the job. We may have a dream concerning our family. And it may not be a wrong dream. But if we push it too far, it becomes dominant. And the grace of God and Christ fades into the background. How about beverages? Can you go tomorrow without a cup of coffee? Or without a soda? Or whatever your favorite beverage may be? Just say, I'll exercise self-control. Rather than having, I'm being extreme maybe for some of you, 10 cups of coffee today, I'll exercise self-control and have two. And I'm not knocking coffee. That's not my point. But self-control. How about radio? And I don't have to listen to that. It may not be wrong. But not letting it rule your life. How about worries? I can imagine Peter's hearers worried quite a bit. A guy comes home from work and says to his wife and to his kids, today was really tough. My owner was cruel. I did right. I worked hard today, but he was cruel. And the reason he was cruel to me, not because of anything I did wrong, just because he says, you're a Christian and you're going to pay for it. I'm worried what's going to happen to me tomorrow. I'm worried am I going to die eventually because of how he's treating me and no one will be around to take care of you. Self-control. For that man to step back and say, I don't have to dwell on this. I don't have to worry. I don't have to fret. I'll give it to God. How about internet? Internet's a great thing. You can get a lot of things. You can do a lot with it. But self-control. Last week I mentioned it may be good in having a prepared mind to say there's a time where we are not going to be online. We're just going to turn things off. Turn electronics off. Self-control. We won't have access for a period of time. And again, it's not that it's evil if we're not careful, it owns us. Sports. Sports may be fine, but self-control. Some of you who are really sports nuts, and you do well in sports, or you've done well in sports, maybe in the past, where you have to be the best. Or you have to play a lot. Nothing wrong with it. Self-control becomes too dominant in life. How about self-control and the buying new? 
the high that comes from that. You say a high comes from buying new? I'm told it does. I've talked to quite a few people. Oh, I just got to buy, got to buy, got to buy, got to have. Self-control. I can walk by it. I can find Christ's grace to be <coughs> sufficient. Consider reputation. Self-control. We want, to, we want to have a good reputation, and that may be a worthy, worthwhile goal. But self-control in that it doesn't own you. Or one final one as far as examples from our day and age. What works? What will get results? Ruth Ann sometimes will say to me, Dan, why are you that way? And she's talking about my always thinking about a quicker way to do something or an easier way to do something. You know, what works? What will get the job done? I know where that came from. On a farm, we had a lot of work to do. And if you could figure out an easier way, you wanted to do it. So dad gave us that liberty. If we could, he'd say, here's what you have to do. There's an easier way, a shorter way or whatever. Free to do it. Just get the job done. I have to exercise self-control quite often. Because what direction does my mind go? I will look at a job needs to be done. And I'm immediately thinking, here's the best way to do it. You do it this way. You respond this way. And I can become obnoxiously controlling. Self-control. And that's what Ruth Ann is saying to me. Dan, knock it off. It will work. It will get results. But you're unbearable. Self-control. When we think of being self-controlled, when Peter says be self-controlled, he's talking about rubber meets the road. Day by day living. Of how we respond. And Peter's not the only one that writes about self-control. Peter's hearers would have had a tremendous battle as they lived. And Peter says, be self-controlled. So very, very important in day-by-day living. There's a key word that is tied in with self-control. That is contentment. Contentment. Peter's hears. They're going through a difficulty. Be content. The slaves are being treated cruelly because of their faith in Christ. Being content with their lot in life for days and weeks to come. A neighbor being content because one next door is giving them a hard time just because of their faith in Christ. A husband being content, a wife being content with the way their mates are responding just because they're believers in Christ. 
a self-controlled life lived as a result of being in Christ has a tremendous impact on the unbelievers around them. An example of self-control. There was a man who came here to church for a fair number of years. He has since gone to be with the Lord. He admitted he was an alcoholic. He drank and drank. And he had some interaction with me and he said, I got to break this habit. And we talked and so on. And uh, three steps forward, five backward, two forward, four backwards, one forward, maybe three backwards. And then things began to change. And I can remember him saying to me, In my study one day, he said, Pastor, do you know what's coming up in about six weeks? I said, I'm not sure what's coming up in six weeks. And he said, this will be my 12th year of no alcohol. What did he manifest for 12 years? Self-control. in Christ and that was a battle for him he was stoned many many times self-control another example as we close young couple dating planning to be married and the temptation to be involved sexually before marriage is present it is there And he says, we got to exercise self-control. She says, we got to exercise self-control. And they display self-control. Wait until they're married. When Peter says to his readers, his hearers, be self-controlled, tied in with preparing minds for action. But in our daily lives, For Peter's hearers as well as us today, there's opportunity after opportunity to be self-controlled. Colin, you want to come up here? Liran, you want to come up here? As I promised, because you displayed self-control and didn't sit there and bug me 50 times, here's your three pieces of candy. I have one request. Check with your mom and dad before you eat them all together. Liran, since you displayed self-control and sat back there and listened and uh, paid attention, here's your dollar. (laughs) Self-control in life is needed for God's glory. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for what we have in Christ. Thank you for being God's elect, being sanctified 
by your spirit. Experiencing the sprinkling by the blood of Christ. Experiencing the new birth. Having a living hope. Along with other items whereby we can have a prepared mind. Where we can be self-controlled. For your glory. May we grow in understanding who we are in Christ. May we grow in understanding that our thinking, our beliefs, our words, our actions are important. They have a tremendous impact. And our day-by-day living as it relates to bringing glory to you and to those that observe our lives. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.